Hi everyone, we're doing something different to wash the bad taste out of episode 3 out of my mouth. And this is a uh, variant called Good Fan Fiction Reading. And uh, this is... <clears throat> I'm doing these ones based on three fan fictions that I found recently. Fair warning, at least one of them contains character death. And the other two are fluffy. So uh, this is based off of Epithet Erased, which is by Jello Apocalypse. All seven episodes are on YouTube, and uh, they're trying to go for a season two, so, so uh, go to Verve and watch it there, too, as well. All right, here we go with, uh, hold up, notifications. So, the first one is the Anxie fan fiction. It is called One Wrong Roll by Creature Feature. It is, uh, of course, from Epithet Erased. This is on Archive of Our Own. Um, there are tags. This is graphic descriptions of violence, major character death, uh, other tags, Molly Blindeth, Lorelei, uh, Giovanni, Percival, Sylvie, hurt, no comfort, angst, character death, gore, blood and gore. Okay, here we go. I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> oh, this is for teen and up, by the way. Summary, Lorelai wants revenge, and Molly is a target, and well, Molly doesn't make it out okay. Notes, me and my friends do an RP occasionally. We roll dice to determine an action. Percy had a roll which was breaking down the door she conceded. Lorelai didn't roll a 20, so she didn't kill Molly immediately. If Percy had, fell, mo had failed, Molly would be dead. If Lorelai uh, had gotten twenty and Molly, uh, gotten a 20, Molly would be dead. This is fic. This is this fic is what happens since Molly lives. Molly felt Lorelai's hand press against her throat. They seared into her skin like hot metal and left a faint trail of smoke. Molly couldn't breathe. The pain was too much. Everything hurt too much. It hurt. God, it hurt. She just wanted this to be over. Now Molly just wanted to be dead. Crack. Molly's body fell to the floor. The skin around her throat charred black. Her neck bent at an odd angle. Her chest was still. Molly's eyes, so full of love and life, were dull and held nothing. She was dead, dead, dead. Lorelai started to laugh? Uh, I know we don't know much about this girl, but dear God, I don't think... Well, then again... I don't really like Lorelai, just based on the way she treats Molly. Uh, this is gonna hurt. Oh, we're only two minutes in. Kalu Kalei. Hmm. And she heard a loud bang against the door. It splintered slightly, but stayed in place. Lorelai fell to her knees, still laughing. She was so happy, so free. Then the door burst down. There was a loud scream. Lorelai realized it was her own as she looked down and saw a sword sticking through her stomach. The tip crackled with electricity, and it was coated in her own blood. Lorelai let out one last weak chuckle. She didn't blink as she impaled Lorelai. Uh, Percy didn't blink as she impaled Lorelai. All she saw was Molly on the ground, not moving, and Lorelai laughing and screaming, and Percy knew what she had to do. She pulled out a sword and made a sickening sound as it left Lorelai's corpse. And she finally looked at Molly's corpse. She looked so small, so young. Molly was just a child. Why wasn't Percy faster? Why couldn't she break down the door in time? Molly was dead. Her daughter was dead because of her. She couldn't move. She couldn't speak. She just silently let the tears fall down her face as Giovanni teleported to Molly. Bear trap? Kid, come on, this isn't right. Giovanni grabbed onto Molly's shoulders and shook her. He started to sob as it did nothing to wake her. Whew. Sorry if I'm not saying much. This, this, I love the series with the burning passion of a thousand suns, and this is just hurting me. Uh, like it's a really good fic. Honestly, the writing is pretty good, the descriptions are pretty good, and everyone is pretty much in character for the series. It, it fits right into the theme of the well-written fan fiction, but uh, 
subject matter is incredibly painful. <sighs> Forgive me a second while I take out my, <sighs> my phone. <sighs> No, 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 that can't be right. She had to be alive. He pressed his head against her chest desperately, listening for her heartbeat. No, 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 please, God, not her, please. I'm so sorry, please take me. Giovanni screamed out desperately as he felt someone fall next to him. Molly, please wake up. Molly, Giovanni continued to sob. Sylvie felt numb. He grabbed onto Molly and just held her. She already felt cold, except for where she was burned. Still burned hot. Rage. So much rage. He didn't feel numb anymore. He slowly stood up and looked at the scene. Percy silently cried. Molly, Giovanni clutched Molly's corpse. Lorelai lay dead. This wasn't good enough. He raised his foot and brought it down on her head. He started to scream insults at her, letting the rage take over. He brought his foot down again and again. You killed her! My sister! You killed her! You whore! You bitch! Rotten hell! He felt Percy's strong, or, strong arms wrap around him and pull him off as he seethed. He looked down and he saw the broken remains of Lorelai's skull. Gore littered. <clears throat> Excuse me. Gore littered everywhere. He started gasping for breath. His, bung, his lungs burned like hell as he pulled away. It was cold that night. Lily, uh, Sylvie stayed awake, staring at the hospital ceiling, going over what he had done. Giovanni was sleeping, and occasionally he let out a loud scream as he was jolted awake from a nightmare. Percy was crying while, fil while filing reports of the incident, what happened finally hitting her. It was so cold without Molly there. Her, her body in the morgue, her soul gone. Everyone that night had the same thought. Why didn't we save her? Whew. That was... Mm, that's a good fic. It's well written. I feel bad now. And, uh... Well, thank you, Creature Feature, for making me feel things on this Monday morning. So, that was only one fic, and we're only seven minutes in, so we're going to go to the other two, and uh, if we make it to 20 minutes by the time those two are finished, then we'll get another three fics and go on with our usual formula. So, this one is um, a lot fluffier. It's uh, rated general audiences, and it's uh, creator chose not to use archive warnings. Again, this is on archive of our own. Uh, it's simply called Molly and Giovanni Play Animal Crossing by uh, Haidoigato. Haidoigato. I hope I said that right. Summary. Molly and Giovanni both play the hit new game Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, notes. I just had a sweet and silly idea for these two playing Animal Crossing. What can I say? I'm a sucker for fluff like this. Fluff like this. Ooh, we get to hear Bree stutter over her words. Okay. Giovanni burst into Blind Death and Toy Emporium. Molly was behind the register as usual. Molly began to speak, but is immediately interrupted. Bear trap. No questions allowed. Take this. Excuse me while I put my phone on charger so I can keep reading. And pardon that noise as well. Giovanni launches into a ver into a inch launches a ink. Giovanni launches a very intricately wrapped gift box directly towards Molly. It lands on her head with a thud. It only hurt a little bit. By the time Molly had gotten her bearings, Giovanni had already rushed up the door. Molly looked at the box, looked at the box confusingly. She said to herself, A present? That's really thoughtful of him. Molly begins to get a little emotional as she opens the box and it contains a Nintendo Switch and a copy of Animal Crossing New Horizons. And I wish I had a friend who would give that to me. <laughs> I, uh... I've been seeing a lot of stuff for the new uh, Animal Crossing game, which is obviously why I chose it. This fiction. Um, I would like to play it, but my issue with... Uh, saving up for Nintendo Switch is I'm scared I would get bored of it or uh, go back to just using my phone. But uh, 
Anyway, off, off, off my topic. So let's get back to the work. She was extremely happy. She knew she ne- she knew she better not let her family know, or she would never see it again because her dad would be obsessed with it. She began to play secretly in her bedroom. A few minutes would almost always become a few hours. It quickly became Smalley's favorite distraction from the toy store. About two weeks went by when Giovanni suddenly burst into the store. He yelled, Bear, bear trap! What's your fruit? Molly rushed over and gave Giovanni a big hug. She looked at him and said, uh, Minor peaches! I guess it's a thing on the uh, game. I have not played it. Uh, Giovanni says to her, Perfect! Come, uh, come bring some to Crime Island. My fruit was cherries, so you can have some if you want. Molly grabbed her switch and then paused for a second. She looked over Giovanni and said, Uh, hey, boss? Giovanni looks over her and says, Yeah, what? Molly proceeds to ask, How can you afford to get me this? Aren't they, like, a lot? Giovanni then responds, I'm getting a little bit of Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles from the writing, but honestly, it's a nice fic, it's good concept, and it's pretty well written considering other stuff I've read on this uh, podcast. So, yeah. Uh, hey boss. Uh, G- Giovanni, I had a, I had been saving up my allowance to get my most loyal minion a reward. When this game came out, I knew it was the right time. Molly teared up a little at this. Giovanni asks, are you okay? Molly wipes her tears on his sleeve. She responds, yeah, I'm really happy. The two of them then proceeded to catch up and play Animal Crossing. Molly went to Crime Island, which Giovanni had been working on. It was quaint, nice and simple. Giovanni then proceeded to be awestruck by the time and care Molly had put into her island. It was clear who had more design prowess. This was just nice to erase the bad taste of the last one out of my... I say bad taste. It was really good. It just hurt me. Final notes. I hope you all enjoyed. If any of you want to play Animal Crossing with me, just comment your friend codes. This is from the author Gato. Okay, um, let me check my time. I know I keep saying check my time, but I want to keep this punctual. So, uh, we're at 12 minutes. We're gonna do the night visit, and then, uh, hopefully it'll be time to break. So I can get a drink. (sighs) The Night Visit by Pika Blob. Summary. She only planned to drop Molly home, but this is, uh... But after discovering how bad she's been neglected, Percy can't help stepping in. This is teening up audiences, uh, no archive warnings apply. Uh, tags, hurt comfort, adoption, episode season one, uh, season one, episode four, reflection. Alternate universe, canon divergence, child neglect, Martin gets arrested, thank God for that. <laughs> Percy couldn't deny there was a cold feeling in her gut as the police cruiser rolled to a stop at the curb. It had started back in the museum when three separate attempts to contact Molly's father had failed, and the girl just sighed and asked for a ride. No child should expect their parents to ignore them, but Molly certainly seemed to. Based on her story, her her father seems to have forgotten her entirely. Percy switched off the engine and glanced over past where Molly was sitting idly. Beyond the blind death toy emporium, it was dark. No lights anywhere. The whole place was seemingly asleep. She sighed. Everything about this felt off. Wordlessly, Molly got up, unbuckled her seatbelt, and opening the door. She stepped onto the cool night air before hesitating by the open door of the cruiser. She turned back, her gaze meeting Percy's. Thank you very much for driving me, she said quietly. You're quite welcome, Percy replied. She reached down and buckling her own belt. But I'm afraid I can't let you go in yet. What? Molly seemed to freeze on the spot. Why not? I I cannot let you out of my care without seeing your father. It wasn't quite the truth. Strictly speaking, her duty was only to make sure Molly was safely home. But she wasn't about to let the girl go without some, without some stern words to her father. Uh, well, okay? Molly shrugged. She uh, stepped back, letting the, cruiser's door, letting the cruiser's door swing shut. And uh, waited quietly while Percy stepped out of the car and locked it. She nodded, walked over to where Molly was, walking over, and Molly stepped out. She nodded, walking over, 
and Molly stepped out to the Aporian door. She fumbled for a moment in her hoodie's pockets before pulling out a heavily a heavy keyring with a dozen different keys on it. On autopilot, she selected one for the front door and went to shove it in, only for the door to swing open at her touch. Dad, she muttered at her, she muttered under her breath, just loud enough for Percy to hear. The woman frowned, adding another red list to the growing red flag to the list growing in her head. The toy store was beyond dark. Molly glanced over to the register. Her face falling, she saw a large pile of papers and several boxes of new toys waiting beside it. She then looked up at Percy. My dad's probably upstairs, she said quietly. I can get him if you want. That's all right, Percy said firmly. How come up? Molly nodded carefully, picking her way, picking her way to the staircase in the back of her room. She walked up the stairs under her boots, and, bris- and Percy briskly followed her up into a long, dark corridor. It seemed her hunch was right. The whole house was asleep. <clears throat> Molly glanced back at her again, and then stepped to the nearest door and pushed it open. Beyond was a bedroom, as pitch black as the rest of the house, with a double bed pushed aside the wall and an old TV on a desk of drawers opposite. The room was a mess. Discarded laundry littered the floor, and a pile of pizza boxes teetered beside the door. On the bed lay a large man with pale skin and blonde hair, out cold and snoring loudly. He had a thick beard dotted with colorful star shapes, a thin line of drool rolling down onto it from the corner of his mouth. He was wearing only a loose-fitting green shirt and some boxers. With, almo- with an almost frustrated sigh, Molly looked over at him and then reached beside the doorframe and flicked on the light switch. Warm yellow light flooded the room, spilling out into the hallway. She stepped towards the bed. The man groaned and sat up, wincing at the sudden light, one arm lazily rising to shield his eyes. He looked down at her, squinting for a faint moment as his eyes adjusted. Ooh, Martin, you're about to get this. I cannot wait. <laughs> Molly, he asked, what are you doing up here? He glanced over the clock, looking back. Shouldn't you be working right now? Uh, your shift started hours ago. Where have you been? Oh, Martin. Okay, um, I probably should have said this earlier, but if you haven't watched Epithet Erased, this man is an idiot. I dislike him immensely, and I really... Really just don't think you should have any contact with Molly ever. All I'm gonna say, we're gonna let the fic read out. There's a twinge in his voice. Shouldn't you be working right now? Oh, I think I already read that. Sorry. There's a twinge in his voice, but it wasn't concerned. To Percy, it almost sounded like disappointment. She hesitated in the doorway, thinking over what he had said. What did he mean by work? Molly stiffened, taking a deep breath, and uh, spoke again. Actually, she said gingerly, it's been a really long day. I got caught up in a break-in at the museum. I've been doing night shifts for months, and it's super late, and I'm really tired, and I'm not working tonight. I'm going to go get some rest once. Molly, he cut her off, reaching one hand to place, uh... Oh, God. I'm sorry. I read ahead, and I'm just... Mm. Martin's written like he was in episode one, to be fair. Which is all that we really see of him. But, uh, he's a bastard. I don't like him. <laughs> Molly, he cut her off, reaching out to place one hand on her shoulder. You know I need you to run the store. Even if there aren't any customers, you still gotta restock and clean the place out. He yawned, blinking the sleep from his eyes. You'll have to work through Saturday as well to make up for lost business. Oh, and the accounts are due tomorrow, so you'll be fine those as well. I'm the adult in this situation! Molly, she seemed to deflate at the world, trying to take a half step back. Uh, she took a deep breath, trying to decide what to say, but she didn't get a chance. Percy had heard enough. Thank you, cop mom. Thank you. You're, you're here. Thank God. Everyone, I love Percy. I don't like... Um... Percy is currently the only policewoman I would actually uh, go anywhere with if not being arrested. She stepped forwards, clearing her throat. Immediately, the man's gaze snapped back, snapped up to her, giving her giving a blank stare of confusion. Oh, uh, hey, officer, sir, 
she said briskly. Your daughter just got back from the museum at 11 at night after you left her behind and she was involved in a break-in. And you are asking her to work? <clears throat> yeah, the man shrugged. I mean, someone's got to run the store, right? It's hard work. I get tired just thinking about it. She felt her blood boil. What kind of parent would force a 12-year-old to run a shop alone at night, especially after this? She looked down. Molly was glancing between Percy and her father. Uncertain. May I talk with you for a minute? The woman asked. Molly nodded. Percy walked back to the darkened hallway and the girl followed, glancing back at her clueless father still sitting on the bed before shutting the door behind her. Immediately, Percy knelt down, bringing their gazes level. What do you mean you've been working the night shift for months? She asked gently. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is just not going well. I run the store, Molly admitted. My dad makes the toys and it's up to me to sell them. I can't work during the day because I'm at school, so I take the night shift on weekdays instead. It's a lot of work. What does it, what does it entail? Well, I have to serve customers and work the register. She explained. Plus, I need to clean the aisles and restock. And then at the end of the day... I tally everything up, order any supplies we're missing, and when, tax do, and when taxes are due, I file them. I'm still not great at that. Your father doesn't help you at all? Percy questioned. Molly shook her head. My sister doesn't either. She said, her voice resigned. I have to walk home most days because Dad forgets and she doesn't care. And just how long has this been going on for? Percy frowned. Just under two years. Molly looked away. I've been doing it since Mum died. Well, it will not be happening any, long any longer, Percy said firm firmly. For Molly could ask what she meant, she reached down and she stood back up, reaching down and thumbing the talk button onto her radio. Hello, dispatch. This is Detective King. This is Detective King. I have a section forty-seven in progress at the blind, at the blind deaf toy, <clears throat> at the blind deaf toy emporium on Sussex Road. I need you to send another officer over and let Miss Ronan, Miss Roninish know. She didn't bother waiting for a response. She stepped back up to the door, and pushed it open. Stepping stony-faced into the bedroom, the man on her looked. The man on the bed looked up at her in confusion head tilting as she approached. Martin Blindeth, she stated bluntly, you are under arrest for child neglect, child abandonment, and illegal use of underage labor. Thank you, Percy. I love you. Okay, I'm already pan, but uh, if Percy asked me for anything, I would do it without question. Um, I love, I just love Percy. I love Molly. I love pretty much everyone in this cast except Martin. Yes, that includes Zora. I love Zora. Zora is best... Well, I wouldn't say best girl. We already have Molly and Mara for that. She heard a soft gasp from behind her, no doubt from Molly, but she didn't bear, dare break eye contact with the girl's waist of a father. Okay, it has uh, been 20 minutes, so I'm going to pause, and we're going to continue on the next bit, and I'll find some more fix for us during the break. Hi everyone, we're continuing on with uh, the night visit, so uh, let's get back to that. Again, by Pika Blob, this is from part two, here we go. Mm. Let me find my place, because I had to skid up. He was too stunned to speak. His eyes were wide as a dinner plate, and his mouth snapped open to close as he tried to find something to say. Are you going... Oh, we already did this. No, wait, no, we didn't. Sorry. Uh, he was too stunned to... Are you going to... Um, are you going to come quietly? She asked, uh, already reaching for the cuffs on her belt. I, I, he stammered for a moment before realizing it was futile. He lowered his head, shoulders slumping. Okay. Then please, come with me. She stepped back to the door. Resignedly, he followed, keeping his head down as she led him into the hallway. A quick glance around revealed that Molly was watching in shock and confusion, not quite believing what she was seeing. What's going on? 
A new voice split the air. Percy looked up to see a newcomer standing in the hallway, staring wide-eyed at the scene. She looked to be in her late, t in her late teens or early twenties. Her skin was a lighter shade of brown than Molly's, her hair a dusty blonde, and she was wearing short pink, wearing short pink pajamas. Where are you taking Dad? Your father is under arrest, Percy said bluntly, for mistreating your sister. The girl seemed to freeze. For a moment, she just stood there, still processing what she had heard, and some realization seemed to click in her mind, but her expression twisted with outrage. Uh, sorry, guys, I have to handle something real quick. Let me find my... Here we are. Alright, we're back. What the hell do you mean, mistreating? She spat, her hands balling into fists. Is it a crime to make kids earn their keep now? Is it a crime for her to do her fair share? Miss, it's a crime to force a minor to work a full-time job. Percy said flatly, and it's a crime to forget your child and leave her alone in a public space for seven hours. You're on thin ice yourself. Bullshit. The girl's gaze snapped down to her sister. You just wanted to get out of work, didn't you? I bet you hid in the museum deliberately. One newsflash. Sometimes life isn't fair, and you have to put in some effort, and you can't just lie to the cops and then have them show up when you don't want to do that. You're right, Molly said suddenly. There's quiet conviction in her voice, but Percy could hear the lump in her throat. Life isn't fair, but that doesn't mean I should do all the work for you guys. That's not life being unfair. That's you. So what? Hurst What now then? First mom dies, and now you take dad away? What the hell are we supposed to do now? You might have to work, Molly sniffed dryly. For once. Her sister glanced from her to Percy to her father and back before finally settling on the officer. Well, from what we see in the series, this is pretty much how Lorelai is. So, good job there for writing her well. You know what? Fine, she spat. Take him away. And take her too while you're at it. She jabbed a finger at Molly. I'm not taking care of some lazy brat who thinks she's above helping out. Her final shout seemed to echo up and down the hallway. Finally, an uncomfortable silence settled. Slowly, she backed away, glaring at the group as she went. Percy sighed, looking down at Molly's trembling form, then back to Martin. Get moving, she ordered. Her words seemed to snap him out of a trance, and he staggered down the stairs. She looked back up. Molly stumbled over, almost in a daze. I, uh, I, the girl stammered. She shivered. Percy shook her head, appealing a pang of sympathy. Everything's going to be all right, she said quietly, hoping to at least offer some reassurance. When Molly didn't respond, she sighed, quickening her pace. She led Molly and her father out to the glare of a squad car's headlights. The, no the thing was parked up against the curb next to her cruiser. A heavy-set officer was leaning on the driver's door. He nodded at the group, and they stepped out of the toy shop. Detective King? Officer Thompson, she greeted, before gesturing at Martin. This is the perpetrator. I need you to turn him into the station. Don't be concerned. He's a Monday. Sure thing, uh, Thompson drawled, handing a car over to a... <laughs> Uh, can I drive to the station? Sorry. Martin still didn't say any. If you'll come with me, sir. Martin still didn't say anything, ambling over to the car. He looked back sadly one last time at his daughter. Then he clambered in. Thompson shut the door with a heavy clunk. I'll see you back at the station, he said to Percy, climbing into the driver's seat. She nodded, and with a rumble, the car started up and pulled away. She watched it go, seeing the taillights dwindle, then disappear behind the darkening shape of another building. She sighed and looked down. Molly was standing near her side, trembling slightly, tears glistening in her eyes. Without a second thought, the woman reached down and enveloped her in her arms, pulling Molly into a tight embrace. Even with her backpack, the girl was light, too light. Lifting her up took little effort. Molly reached out and grabbed the front of her uniform, whimpering as she tried in vain not to cry. It was all too much after everything that she'd been through. She just couldn't help the tears but begin to flow. Percy just held her gently, offering what reassurance she could as the girl cried. 
until finally Molly was reduced to sniffing to sniffling quietly. <sighs> this fic man. I mean, it's great to see what Martin that Martin finally gets something happens to him. But seeing anything bad happen to Molly makes me feel emotional on a letter on a level I do not yet understand. Okay, sorry, had to handle something. What happens now? Molly asked weakly. Percy hesitated. Protocol said she should make the kid to a station and have her transferred to a children's home to a children's home for the time being. But looking down at the teary eyed girl cradled in her arms, she found herself feeling that out. Molly had been through enough already. Your father will be rem- will be will be remanded in custody until trial, she explained. This is, an op- this is an open and shut case, and hopefully he will answer, see that, and enter a guilty plea so you won't have to testify. She took a deep breath. In the morning, we'll arrange a meeting with social services to discuss custody arrangements for you. Lorelai doesn't want me, Molly said sadly, looking away. You can stay with me, said Percy, until more suitable accommodation is found. Is that all right? Molly, look up. Molly looked up, blinking in surprise. For a moment, she w- she just stared, before a sort of a uh, before a sort of quiet hope seemed to before a sort of quiet hope seemed to settle in her gaze. Her grip on Percy's uniform on Percy's uniform tightened. Okay, she sniffled. I'm sorry you had to go through all that, Percy said gently. But I'll endeavor to make sure that you're properly cared for from now on. Molly just murmured tiredly in response, snuggling against her side. Are you ready to go home now? She felt Molly nod. The girl yawned quietly. She felt warm and safe, being held gently like this. She could feel her eyelids growing heavy as the weight of the day crashed into her. Percy watched those green eyes slowly close, and her heart melted in, and her face melted into a, and her face settled into a small, contented smile. She felt her heart melt just a little. Gently, she carried Molly over to the cruiser. She shifted one arm under the girl, reaching out the other to open the passenger door. Carefully, she set Molly down in her seat and pulled the seatbelt over her sleeping form. Before stepping around into the driver's seat, she looked over and felt a swell of protective warmth. Sweet, sleep well, Sprague, she said quietly. She started the engine, and with a rumble, the cruiser pulled away from the curb and away to the, from the darkened front of the Blind Death Emporium. Okay, so I picked a few more fix out because uh, I'm still doing 20-minute segments. So, <clears throat> let me find where it is. Ah, here we are. This is, um, he wanted to keep them safe, and that's what he did. By Everyday Bellyache. Summary. Molly, Giovanni, and Sylvia are chilling in Sylv's apartment when the fire alarms go off. Tags. Angst? Question mark. Blood. Building on fire. Fire. I need to chill. Minor cursing. Molly, Sylvie, and Gio sat in the middle of Sylvie's living room, watching Spy Kids, one of Molly's favorites. Sylvie had invited them all over after Molly recommended the idea of them all watching a movie together on a group chat. Sylvie would have liked it better if it was just him and Molly, but he had been getting used to Giovanni being around, even if he drove him crazy. They chilled out for a while, and Giovanni even made some tomato soup for him. Thanks, boss, Molly exclaimed. Thanks, Sylvie muttered. Giovanni smiled at the affection. They continued to watch movies. Continued watching movies. This time it was Giovanni's to uh, Giovanni's turn to pick. He decided on watching Shark Boy and Lava Girl, seeing it used to be his favorite mo- how it used to be his favorite movie. In the middle of watching the movie, they heard a fire alarm from down the hall. The alarm was soon right in front of Sylvie's door, and they all got up. And they all got up. Sorry. 
That sounds like a fire alarm, Sylvie said quietly. Molly clung to Giovanni's side. She didn't like this loud sound and the possibility there could be a fire nearby. It's okay, Bear Trap. I'm sure someone just accidentally burnt something. Giovanni patted her head. A voice came from the hallway, sounding slightly panicked. Everyone, please calmly evacuate the building. At this point, Molly was shaking and clinging to Giovanni tighter. All right, we should leave. Giovanni's voice sounded a bit shaky, signaling he was panicking as well. So he reached for the door with Giovanni and Molly, and Molly following behind. So he reached out to grab the handle and immediately retracted his hand once he felt a burn. Giovanni ran up and tried to open the door, but retracted like Sylvie. Shit, Giovanni cursed. Giovanni stepped back, took a running start, and rammed all of his body weight into the door. The door broke, and Giovanni stumbled forward. He looked around the hall. There were people run He looked around the hall. There were people running as fast as they could, while the fire swirled around the end of the hall. He looked up at Molly and Sylvie, immediately running and picking Molly up. He turned around and started running with Sylvie, following close behind. They, uh, they were only, uh, they were only on the third floor, which meant they only had to go down a couple flights of stairs. The hallway, they were halfway down the second floor staircase when stairs going down collapsed. Giovanni stopped dead in his track, uh, and, the, and he backed up, panic starting, to sit, panic starting to sink in. How are we going to get down? Giovanni's voice was getting shakier with every word he said. Molly and Sylvie didn't respond. The, voice start, the smoke starting to fill up the stairwell. Molly covered her nose and her mouth with her bear hoodie, and Giovanni followed in pursuit, still thinking about how to get down. All of a sudden, he heard a couple baws from becoming from behind. He turned around to see Sylvie spotting a couple of sheep. The sheep dumped down the broken staircase, landing seemingly unharmed. We're gonna have to jump, Sylvie stated. Giovanni set Molly down. She was shaking a bit. She looked over the ledge at Giovanni and Sylvie. You go first, Molly. Giovanni's voice was quiet and reassuring. Molly took a deep breath and looked over the edge before jump and looked over the edge again, before jumping with a scream. She landed on the sheep and looked back up. Sylvie looked over the edge and gave her a smile. Before coughing, Gio grabbed the trim of Sylvie's sweatshirt and pulled it over the smaller boy's face. He needed to make sure he got these kids out safe. Sylvie looked at Giovanni, then back to the sheep. He jumped, and then seconds after, Giovanni jumped as well. The sheep disappeared after the boys got up and stood near Molly. Giovanni picked Molly up and continued down the stairs. They finally reached the lobby. They could see the flashing red outside. The roof was collapsing, and it seemed like it was going to fall any second. Giovanni grabbed Sylvie's hand and gripped Molly tighter. They started running to the lobby. Sylvie struggled to keep up. Crash. As soon as he heard the crash, he felt Sylvie release him with a slight tug, falling with an ear-pilsing scream. He looked, turned around to see Sylvie on the ground. The roof had collapsed and trapped his leg under a sharp piece of metal. Sylvie struggled, tears welling up in his eyes. Giovanni quickly put Molly down and rushed over to help Sylvie. He began trying to push Sylvie off to put the metal to push the metal off. But it seemed to be too heavy. Sorry, I lost place. Molly tried to help get it off. Sylvie, uh, Sylvie looked up and saw another piece of roof about to collapse. He quickly reacted and passed out. A second later, he turned into beast to Beefton and turned them and threw the metal piece off. Beefton quickly picked up Molly and Giovanni and rushed out the front door. He sat them down. He sat them down outside in front of him and turned back into Sylvie. So he immediately fell to the ground, wincing, tears starting to well up in his eyes. Giovanni rushed over and kneeled next to Sylvie. Kneeled next to Sylvie. Molly following. He looked down at the boy's leg to see crimson red rolling down his leg. The metal must have cut him. Firemen and paramedics immediately surrounded them. The paramedics um, picked up Sylvie and put him on a stretcher. Put him on a stretcher. While other paramedics uh, started asking them questions, he watched the ambulance roll away while he and Molly sat in the back of another ambulance wearing oxygen masks. It had been a rough day for everyone. It had been about a week later. Sylvie stayed in the hospital for a couple of hours getting stitches in a cast for his broken leg. Sylvie decided he would stay with Giovanni until he could find another apartment to live close at close by. Molly would come and visit often to see how they were doing. Um, Sylvie was recovering just fine, and Giovanni felt like he had gone done good with keeping his minions safe, despite Sylvie continuously saying he was not his minion. He wanted to keep them safe, and that was what he did. Notes! I was delirious when I wrote this. Oh, God. Okay, that was a very dramatic, but very good fic. 
Honestly, uh, if you notice me uh, needing to pause every few seconds, I am petting my uh, Sobble plushie for comfort. Sorry, clearing out my notifications got annoying. Okay, let's see where I found my other one. So this is Cookies by Curse Word Clumsy, a.k.a. Perry the Deer. Listen, uh, summary, listen. Jello said that Gio and, Gio and Molly would make cookies in season two. And may I present you this. Additional flags, uh, additional tags, not flags, domestic fluff. Why do we have to bring him cookies? He doesn't deserve them. Oh, Trixie. Trixie's voice, voice was annoyed as he followed Giovanni. He was holding the place and walking towards the entrance to the prison. Her older cousin shrugged. And Molly trailed behind a bit. Closer. She was so confused how she, met, how she hadn't met Giovanni yet. She went to family reunions sometimes. Dixon ended up in jail because of, uh... Because of some stupid reasons. Or he got framed, I'm sure. The rough house are notorious for being framed. I'm never going to jail, Giovanni snorted, looking at Trixie with a raised eyebrow. He moved his hand to gently ruffle her hair. To gently ruffle her hair. You will if you're an honorary bonsai blaster like Bear Trap like Bear Trap is. Suck my dick, Gio. He snorted again and rolled his eyes, focusing back on where he was walking. Easily stepping around a car he would have walked into otherwise. Molly looked at Trixie, who was rubbing her temples. The guy was a criminal walking into prison. This wasn't going to go well. I wish there was more. This is beautiful. Okay. Nope, nope, nope. Ha! Found one. Basically, I'm just going to be up at the race tag, and uh, after I found my initial three, I'm just going to whatever looks cute. <laughs> So this is Police Officer and Crown by GamerBot22. Summary: A promotion means a new portrait. A criminal artist, a criminal slash artist boyfriend means it's gonna get done and crowned. In crowns, prompt paint. Tags: Percy is still ace. She just also has a criminal boyfriend. Ramsey arts like a god. He could draw the Mona Lisa with a bunch of Crayolas. The Crayolas of debauchery. They're cute. Also, Ramsey low-key low gushes over Percy when he draws her. She's a pretty lady. Can you blame him? Oh, this is also part of the Flufftober, but it, Flufftober 2019, but it's 2020 series. Uh, notes. Yeah, I've had this idea for a while. Honestly, I love honest. I love Percy and Ramsey so much. Honestly, I'm always soft for some for some uh, do-gooder, dumb criminal romance. Also, that's all the relationship is. A romance. In this house, we respect asexuals. Thank you! Yep, sorry, I'm turning around. So I'll be seeing a painter for my promotion tomorrow. For my t Tomorrow for my promotion portrait. Ramsey hadn't really been paying attention until he heard that last part. He lifted his head from his large sketchbook, looking over at the back of the couch into the kitchen, where Percy was. Being a woman of simple tastes, of course she uh, chose to celebrate her latest promotion with a glass of water. Although Ramsey was a little extra confused and she also pulled out the butter from the fridge door. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He took a minute or two to move all of his art supplies off of him before he rose from the ancient armchair he'd been reclining in. The, the department is the same painter do every portrait? Traditionally, yes. She opened the foil around the flush butter stick. She reached down one of the doors for a knife to cut a little chunk off. Ota Ezel. Yes, Ota Ezel. I've met her once or twice. She pulled out a small butter knife and turned back and turned uh, and turned uh, back to the other where the butter and turned it back to the other counter where the butter was waiting. Would you like some, Ramsey? I'm good. 
You waved his hand dismissively. Anyway, do you want her to paint your portrait? Nothing against the lady. I just figured you want something a little more refreshing than all those old stuffy paintings in the predict. You heard of Miss Ezel before. They went to art college for crying. They went to the same art college for crying out loud. Ramsey knew the facts that her pieces weren't anything special. Hell, he could probably do uh, better with a twelve with a twelve pack of idea. Ramsey leaned under the leaned against the counter and watched Percy grab the loaf of bread beside him. I mean, if you're going if you go to her when you're just gonna spend a lot of taxpayer money on some Peyton everyone else in the force has gotten. Yes, that's the point. She nodded, placing a single bread of in the fire engine red toaster. She broke the lever down and pulled the attention and turned her attention back to her roommate. The two had been living together ever since Ramsey gotten out of jail for good behavior and assisting the force. Technically, he was under house arrest, but if Percival went with him, he could go anywhere he wanted. He was waiting for her when to continue, and it was going to say something more, but the second he witnessed Percy draws a small brick of butter into her water, any coherent thought in his head died on impact. <laughs> I'm sorry, this just makes me happy. <sighs> She raised her head with the wait one second, uh, purse. She raised her hand with the wait one second gesture so she could finish her sip of water, taking the butter with it in one fell gulp. This only seemed to put Ramsey off even more. Okay, first of all, that was disgusting. And second, of, and second, why? I was promoted. I felt it necessary to celebrate. She stared him dead in the eyes. It was a little freaky. She didn't even blink when the toaster finished. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so that is not how we celebrate. Ramsey pushed off the counter and grabbed a toast for her. <laughs> now I have an idea. Hmm? Ramsey folded his hands for her. So we're going to get some cake, something proper to drink. I'm thinking some grape juice. And once we're done with that, I'll do your portrait instead. It's a win-win for both of us. The officer thought it over for a second before, not, before uh, nodding solemnly. solemnly. All right, I suppose letting you paint me would be for me would be nice. She smiled at him, a little glint, a little glint in her gray eyes. All right, I'm going to take a break and we'll continue right after I'm finished. Hopefully you like the song I chose for you. All right, here we are. Had to rest my voice and we're at the minute mark, but let's get back to work. Sweet, I'll get my stuff, and you get comfy in the living room. Ramsey scurried off to grab his art supplies. It'd be nice to draw something actual, for, some, actually draw something other than a commission from strangers. He was going to make Percival look like something special, so he could be brown, so he could be proud when she hung it up in her new office. He dug through his drawers in his room, tossing aside a few unopened packs of paintbrushes and a couple of erasers, until he found his big pack of crayons. Ever since he moved in with Percy's, he's been stockpiling all sorts of brands and shades just to do something like this. If he couldn't turn stuff into money, he bet his bottom dollar that no one else is going to have their portrait done like this. You ready? He called from his room, rummaging from the back of his closet for a canvas. He tucked a medium-sized one under his arm and grabbed his easel from the bedside. It was a little bulky. One moment, I'm getting changed. Percy screamed from, or not screamed, replied from across the hall. Changed into what? I only ever see you in that one uniform. He stumbled in the living room, attempting to not fall over the legs of the easel. He kicked the legs open and propped it up in the middle of the room, facing the big armchair near the television. It's customary to wear one's best when they get their picture taken, right? She appeared in the hallway wearing a navy blue suit with a police badge pinned on her chest. Her blonde hair was loosely slicked back, the sides puffed out underneath a wide-brimmed hat. Above the bill was a silver medal with the uh, SJPD's insignia embossed across the middle. Her sword sunk from her hide in a, sil in a gilded scabbard, and she rested a glove on the hilt. I'm ready, she smiled. <laughs> Sorry, I read ahead. Percy raised his eyebrows. Wow, you look... Sharp purse. Thank you. It's my ceremony suit. She cocked her eyes, her head proudly, and looked at Ramsey's supplies and blinked in confusion. You're using crowns. Are those the crowns of debauchery? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just 
it's a debauchery. <laughs> this got me really bad when I watched the episode actual. I, I, I paused for like five minutes just from Crowns of Debauchery. Er, uh, no. Well, some of them are, Ramsey shrugged, but they're still being used for good. So it's okay. Now take a seat and hold still. He nodded at the armchair, to see a smile on his face. Percy nodded and took a seat, sitting on the uh, very edge of the cushion with her hands folded gracefully on her lap. Perfect. Now listen at me and put on your best Percy face. She nodded, so she chuckled softly and straightened her shoulders, her head up and staring forward. Her gr her gray eyes focused on her rising past Ramsey's shoulders. She looked around like a lion. Her mane was the, being the trace amounts of her fluffy blonde hair that she pulled out from under her hat. Ramsey smiled and got to work, scratching out an outline. He always liked to start with the face, since, proportioning out the since it made proportioning out the body much easier. Once he was pleased with the outline he had laid out with a light gray crown, he, st he tucked an orange one behind his ear and started, prop started to properly shape her face with a peach-toned crown. Percival's face was strong, sculpted even. Ramsey could feel the intimidation fade away once he started to add her freckles. They really seemed to, often, to soften her face, adding a touch of innocence to her serious gaze. Ramsey took this time coloring her gray eyes, finding himself looking at Percival for reference more often than he'd like to admit. The old saying of the eyes were the window to the soul. The old saying said that the eyes were the window to the soul, and of course that would apply to the traditional officer. Her gray eyes were transfixed past Ramsey, almost gazing off into the future itself, giving the stink eye to any and all future crime. He kind of wished she wasn't wearing her hat for this, since the hair was one of her favorite things to draw, and it was one of the favorite things about her. Her blonde mane was a, was a perfect example of organized chaos. I am smiling as I bring this because I adore this ship, and this is just making me happy. Her bangs fluffed out like leaves on top of her head, yet everything still seemed to follow the natural line of motion. In all seriousness, it was really fascinating, pretty even. All that organization flew to the wayside when her eyebrows were concerned, and just drawing the outline made Ramsey smile. They made her look like one of those lizards in pet stores, crested somethings. They were really cute. He followed the shape of her body down to her shoulders. Using her seventh yellow crown, he began to sketch the details of her shoulder pads. A dynamic look of as a dynamic look of crowns gave the piece, the wax ran out really quickly due to his canvas. It was a good thing Ramsey had been hoarding crowns for so long, he, since he might not have been prepared for this. Now he actually was drawing her frame. Ramsey began to notice how small it actually was. Her shoulders were tight, almost perfectly flat from tip to tip like a shelf. Anyone else might have <clears throat> taken one look at her size and assumed it to be weak, but her stern face and sword... <clears throat> could prove anyone wrong. Hell, even Zora felt the need to cheat during their fight in Redwood, One. Redwood Run. Now he thought about it. She doesn't, he doesn't think he's seen her shoulders sag before. Never in his six months in, in his knowing her has he ever really seen her relax. He's only ever seen her in uniform, never in, never in anything casual, let alone pajamas. Did she even sleep? That was a stupid question. Of course she slept. Get it together, gerbil man. Percy? Hmm? You were... You spend a lot of time at work, don't you? Should we be talking? I thought I had to be still. Anyone else would have said that with malice or sass. But leave it to Percival to ask a question that sincerely. Oh, it's fine. You can talk. I'm just working on the body now. He peered over at the cancer for a moment before grabbing the tenth navy blue crown so he could do the body of her uniform. Ah, I see. And you're asking about my hobbies, aren't you? He felt like he got sniped. He, he uh, sheepishly looked over the campus one more time, his golden eye not quite focusing on her correctly. Sorry, do you get that one a lot? No need to apologize. And, uh, I do, but you never asked. I do, uh, architectural consulting jobs on the side, occasionally. Was there more to that? Or... Ramsey's starting to shame the fort of her uniforms. Oh... No, not really. Really? You never just kinda unwind? Sleep in on the weekends or something like that? I work on the weekends. Ah, Ramsey was probably too busy sleeping in himself to even notice now that he thought back, now that he thought back on, on it. 
outside of the essentials. I don't really do any sign el anything else besides work, she said, sounded so indifferent about it. It's what makes me happy. Well, yeah, but isn't there anything else? You don't have to be busy to have fun. Percy thought for a moment, her gray eyes uh, shifting to the side. I mean, I doodle occasionally. That's more to help me remember faces. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You draw? How come I'm only hearing about this now? Ramsey grinned at her from over the canvas. Do you have any with you? They're in my notebook. Percy raised her eyebrows a little. Shouldn't I be here, though? No, no, it's all right. I just gotta go to the background and sign it. He waved his hand dismissively. Go get him. I want to see. He gestured to the hallway, accidentally talking his highlighter crown, a white one, across the floor. Oops. She hesitated before rising to her feet. Percy tried to contain her excitement as she walked past Ramsey, smiling as she went to get her work bag from her room. She checked her back, her black shoulder bag, finding the notebook tucked away under a spare tie she kept in case something happened to the one she usually wore. She flipped through a few pages, something on the Great Cane Machine Incident page, since they were some of the most recent. She strode back into the living room. Peeking over Ramsey's shoulders, she filled out the back background of her portrait. The colors were bright and bold, and they contrasted com and complemented each other perfectly. Oh, Ramsey, she, she almost gasped, practically resting her chin on his shoulder. Told you it'd be cool. He grinned at her, his normal eye glinting proudly. I bet you no one in the rest of the city will have someone else hanging up like this at work. He yoinked the plastic crown, the crown from behind her, his ear, tossed it in the plastic container. He kept all his other crowns in. He kept all his other crowns in. Oh, you got your drawings? They're nothing like that. <sighs> Sorry, deep breath time. Whoa, look at, she said almost as a warning as she handed him her notebook. Whoa, look at that. That's actually really cute, Purse. He smiled as she looked a little doodle of a boy and the girl in the, of a boy and the girl in the middle of the page. Her hair puffed out like a ball of stuffing, with little stars swimming her face and decorating her hair. The boy with her huge glasses and unimpressed look on his face. Quite the duo. We could hang it on the fridge, he meant as a joke. But the ways Percival face lit up, made him change how serious he was about it. I actually really like this, Percy. It's rough, but soft at the same time. It's really cute. Percival smiled, taking the notebook back when Ramsey offered it to her. You gotta show me your doodles more often. You got a knack for these. I will. I'm glad you like them. She was practically hopping up and down with excitement while, he, while she was getting over this. It felt a little childish. Oh, that reminds me. Percy squatted in front of the Kansas. Canvas. A, a gold-colored crown grasped tightly in his hand as he, with a flick of the wrist, he signed the bottom left corner. Done. Tomorrow we can find a frame for it and you can take it into your new office. Thank you, Ramsey. Well, that's part less about me. Well, thank you, Ramsey. It's really beautiful. Well, that part's less about me and more about the model. Oh, God, I love this. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll call my ship. Sorry, ship feels, ship feels. No, it's 6 a.m. and I lost half of this but because Windows is a bitch. But here we are. Take it. I'm done. The next is going to be a lot shorter, I promise. Gonna, but it's going to be effing soft. Oof. Halfway done with this segment. Okay, I'm gonna pause because I have to pick something up real quick and I'll be right back. All right, back we go. Mm. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this is Borrow a Car, Borrow a Friend by Pastel Goth Lapis. Summary, the great Giovanni Battage never breaks a promise to their minions. Even if they need a little help to make it happen, they'll come through. I want, I want Mara, Gio and Mara to be friends. It's important. Oh, these are the tags. Also, Gio's non-binary non and goes by they-them pronouns and is and Mara's trans. Found family fluff. This is part of the Mara Moving Forward series. <laughs> it's part three. 
Giovanni stared at their phone, trying to think of anyone they knew who owned a car. Car crash ants took away his keys, so, so he was out. And Crusher was grounded, so he was out. Why did their Mustang have to break down now? It was only like 30 years old. Regardless, they needed to figure out something quickly if they were going to pick up Bear Track on time. There was no way they could borrow their mom's car again after the last time. They should have renewing the multiple car washes it took to get all the banana cream pie residue off the car. <sighs> Never again. I still don't understand how pie could betray me like that. <laughs> they shuddered. Uh, okay, I already read that. Taking the thought from their head, they checked the last person on their address book to, uh, on their app who had a car. Mara Salomon. There was no way they could ask her, but she was only the person left. They braced themselves, and they pressed the call button. A very annoyed voice answered the phone. Hello? What the hell do you want? Giovanni fidgeted with their hair as they began to explain the situation. Hey, Mara, it seems my car is having some uh, technical difficulties. They glanced uh, down at the window longingly at their Mustang in the driveway. Either way, I had to pick a bear, bear trap from school, and you're the only person in my address book who has a usable car right now. Mara sighs exasperatedly. Fine. I am, I am so not letting you... I'm driving. I am so not letting you get pie on my brand new car again. She's a lot like Venom. She hissed the last lord like Venom. Fine, but seriously, what are the odds that happen for a third time? I'm sorry, I just imagined that. <sighs> I'll be down for your apartment in ten minutes. After all, we can't keep Bear Trap waiting. Mara hung up the phone with annoyance and threw it on her bed. She really didn't like spending time with Giovanni because he thought they were kind of annoying. But she would do it for Molly. She got ready quickly and threw on, the ice, and threw on an ice blue long sleeve shirt. Sundress and paired it with her black ankle boots. She rushed out to the door, only pausing to grab her coat off the rack before meeting Giovanni by the car. Giovanni ran up to Mara's Range Rover and paused to catch their breath while waiting for her. Mara strolled up to the car and climbed to the driver's seat, motioning for Giovanni to get in. They threw the red and black secret encrusted letterman jacket in the back seat and buckled up. Thanks for helping out. Thanks for help thanks again for helping out, Mara. I promised I'd pick up Bear Trap today, and Giovanni Potage never breaks their promises. Mara raised an eyebrow. That's nice. Giovanni looked around the apartment. Parking area. Hey, where's your unreasonably hot friend? Mara shrugged. Oh, you mean Indus. He's at work at the museum. There aren't many people actually working there, so we have to take our days off separately. Giovanni gave a small frown. Oh, man, that must suck me separate from your best friend all day. She's she shrugs. I mean, it's fine, I guess. His doting on me can get annoying, but he helps me with just about everything. It's sort of annoying not to have him around because I'm a bit limited without him. They sat in silence for a few minutes, spoke up. You know if you need Indus uh, help without... Ah. You know if you need help when Indus isn't around. I could come over and help if you need anything. Mare was caught off, by Giovanni's, caught off guard by Giovanni's kindness and got defensive. I think I can manage by myself. I don't really need help. It's just cool what he does stuff for me or whatever. But thanks for the offer, I guess. You were just trying to be nice. Giovanni reached out to put a hand on Mara's shoulder, but she recoiled. Hey, don't be afraid to reach out if you need something. You're one of our minions now, too. <laughs> so that means you're important. Mara rolled her eyes and attempted to deflect the envy's kindness. Thanks. Uh, thanks, I guess. You're a good friend. Mara almost threw up out of anxiety with the last word, but she made it through. Giovanni threw Mara into a hug, causing her to swerve and almost hit a stop sign. Dude, don't do that when I'm driving. You could have killed us both. Giovanni recoiled, startled by the combination of her yelling and the car swerving. Sorry, Mara. After a few more minutes and some calming down from both of them, they pulled into Sweet Jazz Middle School parking lot. Mara... Mara spoke up, breaking the silence. So why are you picking up Molly today? Isn't that her dad's job? Giovanni put her hand to their chest in the usual self-assured way. Put their hand to their chest in the usual self-assured way. I have taken it upon myself to pick up Bear Trap from school at least a few times a week so she doesn't have to walk home. Besides, if I pick her up, she can hang out and do crime things. And craft things, too, occasionally. Her dad doesn't even realize a car half the time. Must let that bear... Must let... Much less that bear trap needs to be picked up from school. And I went for them when she met Molly's dad. Right. Well, it's nice you can get her out. With a dad like that, she needs all the help she can get. 
Giovanni nodded. Nodded. Yep, it's important for her to get away from her responsibilities. So I make sure she has fun when we hang out. You're sitting out with us too today. I bet you can use a break. Mira thought for a moment and then agreed. All right, why not? It's not like I have anything better to do. And I get my pain taken care of too. Pretty sure I bruised my leg when I swerved. Giovanni fidgeted, fidgeted with her hair. Oops, sorry, Mira. Hey, look, there's Bear Trap. Giovanni pulled out the door, tinted, uh, and yelled, pulled down the tinted window and yelled, Hey, Bear Trap, we're over here! Molly ran over, clearly excited to see her friend. Hey, boss, what's the new car today? You didn't rob a car dealership, right? Giovanni waved their hand. Now, nah, I, I wouldn't do that without my minions along. I had to borrow Mara's car since mine is having problems. Anyway, though Mara's along for the ride today, so hop in because I have so many plans for today. She climbed into the car and back seat and set the backpack down next to her. It's great to see you two getting along. Are you guys like friends now or something? Mara, normally Mara would have denied such an allegation, but today she was feeling generous. Honestly, Molly, I think we might be. Giovanni beamed, but also remembered their previous mistake and did not hug Mira, while the car was moving anyway. Notes, if you like this, be sure to check out my other episode of Race Fan Fictions, including my Mira Moving Forward series, and check out my Tumblr, at PastelGossLapis. Comments and kudos are appreciated. So, um, that was today's episode. Um, if you can't tell, I love Epithet Erased. And uh, these fix just make me really happy. And uh, so some updates. I know um, getting the pro episodes out has been really long and strenuous, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, the plan is, now that we're on quarantine and all this fun stuff, um, we'll be doing uh, a couple regular fan fiction readings, uh, great fan fiction readings, and then... Um, <clears throat> If I can find some really bad fix without sex or drugs or things in that, um, I hope we do something called Simply Disgusting Fan Fiction Reading, where I try not to vomit or scream while I read. But anyway, thank you for listening. This is uh, Blue slash Bree, and uh, recording from my bedroom with the fan on for background noise. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening so much. I had really fun reading to you today. And uh, hopefully the next episode will be out with uh, another bad fan fiction. Uh, bye. As I wait for the clock to tick down for exactly 20 minutes. <laughs>